and welcome to my hearth. In the last episode, we were looking still at the types of Christ, which are the forerunners of Christ. We were referring to some of the medieval miracle plays, which were shown in those plays performed by the guilds in the streets of the towns. We looked at Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Isaac. These were all stories which were to do with the foretelling of the coming of Christ in the New Testament. Now, once Christ has actually happened in the New Testament, we have a whole new set of iconography. The story has happened. We have Emmanuel. We have God with us. We are no longer talking about the coming of the Messiah. We are saying the Messiah has been here. And the story has such potency that images from it and language from it actually thread through all of the narrative of our lives. We recognise these narratives and these threads and refer to them as a type of Christ. Now, from a storytelling point of view, I want to start investigating some of these types of Christ tropes. They are incredibly potent and powerful. We've already said that anything with a supernatural element in it is going to be very significant in storytelling, and it's going to have its own power. Uh, it isn't a coincidence that if we look at the works of Shakespeare, his darkest tragedy, that of Macbeth, sometimes called the Scottish play, has witches in it, and that whole theme of witchcraft has made that play very, very popular and powerful. Similarly, his most powerful comedy is A Midsummer Night's Dream because of the fairies being in it and the magic in it. Witches and fairies are otherworldly, they are supernatural. Science fiction stories are incredibly potent because, again, they are not dealing with the natural world, they're not dealing just with humans, they are dealing with the supernatural and the alien. Some of the biggest stories in the world, the most popular ones, have got this element in it of the otherworldly or the magical. When we look at incredibly commercial popular culture, especially with film, so many of those films deal with otherworldly subjects. Science fiction, science fantasy, things like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, these all deal with the other, the otherworldly. Now I'm going to start looking at types of Christ in modern culture, and I thought it was good to start with Superman. He is one of the first superheroes, if not the first superhero, if we take all of the definitions of it. And I'm asking the question, is Superman a type of Christ? Let's take some of the ideas 
and investigate them a little bit. First of all, Superman is not human. If you look at a lot of the other superheroes in superhero comics, they are humans where something has happened to them, either in a science lab or some kind of natural disaster, and they've become superhuman as a result of that. Superman is different. He comes from another world and he comes to live on Earth. He is supernatural, but now living as a human. He comes from the heavens as a baby. Just like Christ, he comes into our world as a naked, small human. Now, obviously, Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary, so he is born from a human mother. Superman is not. He arrives in a spaceship. But he is adopted by a human mother, who, interestingly, is called Martha. Mary and Martha were almost like a second family to Jesus when he was on Earth. Because of his living on Earth... Superman is brought up as a human with human values. But he does have the values of his home planet, from his father Kar-El and his own name of Jor-El. The L in his name is considered to be a derivation of one of the names of God, as in Emmanuel, Daniel. Moreover, there are moments in various stories of Superman where he can speak to his father, his alien real father, just as Jesus can speak to his heavenly father. Superman is given a human earthly name, Clark Kent, because of his foster parents. That was their surname. Martha and Jonathan Kent. And he is brought up in an ordinary American country town, Smallville, as a relatively troubled teenager, where he is taught the values of being brought up as a good American boy by his foster parents. However, he has the equivalent of Jesus going into the desert to commune with his Heavenly Father with the Fortress of Solitude. Here he is given instruction by his Heavenly Father, his alien father, in how to behave as an alien. He learns to control the superpowers he has been given whilst he is on earth. This means that he doesn't come into his full fruition of being a superhero until he is 30. The ministry of Jesus doesn't happen until Jesus himself is 30. Superman comics were published in the late 1930s, around 1938. The world was very troubled at that time and it needed a hero. 
it needed a superhero. In fact, it needed some kind of deliverer. The American government in particular was very worried about the lawlessness that was happening in the Depression at that time in the United States. There has been some discussion, although I do not know whether it's completely true, that they influenced modern publishing at that time to try and create a character that would bear all of the hallmarks of a Christian ideology. Whether that is true or not, Superman became very popular simply because of his characteristics. He is a virtuous person. The way he responds to divine guidance makes him a role model for the youth of that particular day. His otherworldly strength and his incredible intelligence means that some of the feats that he achieves are seen as miraculous. He has the qualities of a saviour because he does things which are not humanly possible. Everything he does is good and he is seen as an antidote to evil. Interestingly, his main rival, his arch-enemy, is called Lex Luthor which is very reminiscent of Lucifer. Again, another minor detail, but I think it's worth considering. God refers to himself as Alpha and Omega, meaning the beginning and the end. And when Lex Luthor wants to track Superman, he uses his uh, Alpha meter suggesting that Superman produces alpha waves. Now, one of the main miracles that Superman has is that he can fly even above the Earth's atmosphere. He exists in what people consider to be the heavenly realm. It is very difficult to wound Superman, for the most part, he is invulnerable. But he does have frailties. He does have weaknesses. The main one being, of course, that he is only one creature and at any one time can only be trying to save whatever he can manage. That means that at times he faces dilemmas. Does he save this thing, or does he save that thing? Is he the person who can help this set of people, or that set of people? He can fly at super speed, but he does not exist completely out of time. These dilemmas make him vulnerable. Like a human... He can only do so much. It is interesting that as a result, he falls in and out of favour with other people. At times he is seen as a saviour, and at other times a menace. This is also true of what happens in the story of Jesus. 
he goes from being seen as the saviour, the messiah of the Jewish people, and then the end, they turn against him and condemn him. It's not his humanity, it's their humanity that is weak and doesn't understand. Again, another digression. One of Superman's names is obviously Superman, and the the man suffix on his name is very often associated with Jewish names. I'm not sure of the complete derivation, but it obviously is a case in Yiddish that man is can be used at the end of a name. Unlike Jesus, Superman does not have a team of disciples that help him and travel with him. He has his close associates, but they are not his backup team. He travels alone. That does mean that he can suffer loneliness. Up until the 1980s, Superman was the most popular of the superhero comics. It is interesting that to ring the changes, he starts to work with other superheroes in what is called the DC Universe. And when they become a team, they start to show all the characteristics of an odyssey. There are other examples of iconography that connect Superman to Jesus, but I think it's good that now you've been made aware of it, for you to notice them for yourself, because that obviously adds a richness to you experiencing storytelling in all its form. The more you see the detail, the more you will enjoy the story. And we'll explore some other examples of types of Christ next time.